it's time to get those t-shirts off, ladies. This week we're talking about hair metal. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. It's the story of a musical genre that started out kind of okay, got gradually worse, and then became horrible. Hi! Welcome to our show on hair metal. This week we're talking about all those bands that your mom and dad were into in high school. Because I'm not making this show for them. I'm making it for you kids who want to know what the hell this stuff was. And I'm doing it because those people who were into that stuff, they weren't my friends. They were into this rotten garbage. And they didn't notice that it had gotten from the okay sounds of Def Leppard, who weren't really, really hair metal, to Here I Go Again on my own. The, we'll talk about that great length. It, it, it went from meh to horrible over such a long period of time it was like putting a frog in water and then slowly turning up the heat and boiling it so it doesn't know to jump out of the water because it's a frog and it's stupid but that's no reason to torture a frog by boiling it people who were into hair metal liked to boil frogs that's what I'm saying it's it's not great music and well just between you and me the fans total dicks anyway this week hair metal Bazinga. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Are you ready to rock? <laughs> this one's for the guy in the back row picking his nose. Yeah. Let's get those t-shirts off, ladies. <laughs> oh, my God. Whose idea was this? This is your Eric's, right? Uh, me. Yeah. Because uh, we... Have you, still, have you watched The Dirt yet, Brian? The Motley Crue nope. thing? Okay. I, I advise you not to, but I think that was the impetus for this uh, episode, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it was a great throwback to softcore porn. Okay. Uh, See, now I want to watch it. Well, then so. do, by all means, watch it and, uh, and be amazed. I was sort of dreading moving into this because uh, I don't really know hair metal, or at least I didn't think I did, but apparently I do, and it's frightening. So yeah, yeah, we can we can <laughs> this, is, this is unfortunately the music of the youth of Gen X, really. <laughs> yeah, when I mean, we were when we were impressionable and didn't know any better. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. I kind of hated it at the time, but now I appreciate it differently as an adult. I'm I may be in the opposite direction. That's kind of the way I look at it too. It's like I'm I'm not a fan of it. I wasn't really a fan of it then, but yeah, I, I like the distance. And there, there's some some music in there I do like. I, I, I guess doing all this stuff, I've come to realize uh, hair metal isn't what I thought it was. No. And it never will be. No, but we'll get into that. Yeah. But uh, do we want to do anything first before we blow our minds with yeah. hair metal? Yes, let's do the fresh shit. Oh, this shit is fresh. Oh, shit, that is fresh. 
Well, who, who's this is Eric's show this week, so I'm going to demur to him. Oh, no, go ahead. What, what fresh shit you got? Oh, who? Me? Me. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. Uh, first off, I would just <laughs> like to say that I uh, yesterday just randomly came across an episode of The Rockford Files from season three, uh, episode 17. You're... Your channel changer doesn't work. Am I right? Your remote oh, doesn't work. Your oh. TV is just always on, and shit just flows in front of your face, and you watch well, it. Well, that's that's a really bad interpretation of what I'm presenting to you, Brian. I think you need to open your <laughs> your third eye and just absorb. Uh, no, it's shit. Uh, but so it's, the- <laughs> it's a lot better than my idea, which is you've got an old guy who sits next to your TV and says, "You'll watch this." Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, my thumb has a mind of its own. But uh, no, I stopped there. Watch the Rockford Files and call and see if Paul can score some weed. <laughs> but this one, uh, <gasps> I gotta drop that clip now. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, I did it to myself. But this one, uh, I stopped because uh, it was a Rockford Files episode, but it had guest stars uh, Louis Gossett Jr. and Isaac Hayes as private eyes that were competing against Rockford to find some missing heir. And I think I came in uh, about 10 minutes in, and I had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, And then at some point, Louis Gossett Jr. and Isaac Hayes were like a a PI partnership, and then chasing down a lead, they go to this bar, and then it turns out they walk in, and it's just like the Blues Brothers. It's like fucking Nazis in the the brown uniforms with the armbands. And uh, and then it's Louis Gossett Jr. and Isaac Hayes. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, did you say Louis Gossett Jr. and Isaac Hayes are looking for their missing hair? Yes, uh, that as well. Okay, because, yeah, they don't have any. Yeah. Uh, so it was a very Blues Brothers moment. Because uh, literally, like, you could hear the record scratch in your head. <laughs> as all the Nazis look up from playing pool and stuff. It was just weird, man. The 70s were weird. <laughs> Uh, so that one kind of threw me for a loop and, uh, I don't think I've recovered yet. Uh, much like I did when I went and saw Hellboy 2.0 with, uh, David Harbour and, uh, so Chris, (laughs) I see all the movies, right? And you didn't go to this one. I did not go see (laughs) Hellboy. I did. I had the sense not to go see Hellboy. What are you doing? Uh, that was, uh, (laughs) it was not my pick. Uh, my wife does not typically go to movies, but she loves Hellboy. I think because it's on TV a lot, and so she can just veg out if she's got nothing better to do. And she just sort of lets it wash over her, and she loves it. And Is this significantly different than the first one? Yeah, there's, there's no Del Toro on this at all. Guillermo Del Toro is just right gone out. Because they wouldn't sign him for the third one. So Ron Perlman said, nope, not going to do it. So they basically did a reboot uh, mm. that apparently is more in line with what you find in the comics. And apparently that involves just a hard R, lots of gore and cursing. And so all of the fantastical stuff that softened the edges that Del Toro did, totally gone. This is just, it's, <laughs> it's just a very abrasive, loud, uh, pointless exercise. I just was... Uh, through the whole thing but it's the guy neil marshall who made it also did that movie doomsday which is basically just a piss poor ripoff Ooh. of escape from new york yeah yeah it's just uh it basically just like skulls getting split 
for no reason and viscera <laughs> pouring out for no reason other than it's just yeah sure we can do this so it's like if mortal Kombat took itself seriously a little bit or but yeah okay but the worst part is that all of the humor and fun from the first two is just absent i mean it just there's nothing going on the only thing funny is when michael hayden church is that his name Thomas Hayden yeah. Church, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. shows up. The sand, yeah. He shows up as like a in some sort of flashbacky, and he's some sort of weird, weird like serial movie daring do uh, adventurer called the Claw, uh, and his name is Lobster Johnson or something. But basically, he just smites Nazis. But he's all dressed up in like the leather flight helmet and the jacket. It's very Indiana Jonesy meets Flash Gordony. Uh, it's really dumb, but it's the only saving grace of the movie, and unfortunately, it's like five minutes. <laughs> so it's, you got a lot of Nazis in your fresh shit this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Punch a Nazi in the face if you ever get the chance, because uh, that's what you do. So you say your wife is a Hellboy fan. Was she a fan of the movies, or was she a fan of the comics? Uh, more the movies. She's done some of the comics okay. and enjoys them. Uh, so how did she feel about this movie? Uh, she thought it was a trifle she wasn't annoyed by it but one of her other favorites to watch is league of extraordinary gentlemen for the same reasons wow. I think she, she just doesn't care uh i think she just likes the spectacle uh so this well, one see, that's that's one where i love the comic yeah and and the and movie the movie yeah the movie i was like yeah it's not the comic but it's nice to see a movie of my favorite comic yeah so it was yeah but this hellboy i would put it uh, above Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman, because uh, that thing right now is my barometer for just anything that's just going to be make you poke your eyes out with a fucking spoon. Uh, so, so better than Spawn. Yeah. Uh, so it's okay. it's better than Spawn. It's better than uh, <laughs> Van Helsing, but not as good as uh, oh I don't know pick something anything. The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Yes. Um, I didn't see that. I didn't I see know. it either. So, yeah. So, that was my uh, my one not picked it, but will go kind of thing. Uh, you sat in a theater this week. Yeah. So, yeah. basically, yeah. I'm I proud was, of you, Chris. You've gone to the theater twice <laughs> yeah. in two shows. Well, I'm trying to amp it up. You've, you've sort of inspired me, Brian. Uh, so, Yay. I really want to make an effort, uh, honestly. So... Well, going to Hellboy shows real, real dedication. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean that's some gonads right there, boy. Uh, but yeah, don't see it. Catch it if it's streaming if you want. But yeah, nah. So as a palate cleanse, I did start watching on FX the new show Fosse Verdon, which I highly mm. recommend. So yeah. it's sort of the the biopic TV limited series of the tumultuous relationship between Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon. Uh, so it's only two episodes so far, but there's just a shit ton of caliber on the producing. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is one of the producers. And then one of the guys, uh, I think that wrote the, the first teleplay for the, the pilot was the, the guy that did Dear Evan Hansen. So it's, it's got a lot of pedigree, but it's Sam Rockwell as Bob Fosse, Michelle Williams <laughs> as Gwen Verdon. Uh, and it just sort of chronicles their ups and downs. Uh, you know, everything Sam Rockwell is in, he dances. 
I, I, I like he works in dancing into yeah. everything he does. Well, he's, he's a so showman. It's, it's strangely fitting that yeah. he would play Fosse. Well, the funny thing too, and it's just like when Roy Schotter played a version of Fosse and all that jazz. I mean, it's like a guy with a beard who's balding and he's literally got a cigarette dangling out of his mouth for the entire time you see him on screen. It doesn't matter where he is. I'm like, did Bob Fosse really smoke that much? I guess so. Uh, but the if Roy Schotter's playing him, he does now. Yeah. Oh, but the uh, but the show so far is really good. They kind of do a, like a two for the road narrative setup. So it's uh, that one was that's a Stanley Donnan with uh, Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn. The chronicles like a ten or fifteen year deterioration of a marriage. So it bounces back to in time to when they were happy. Then the middle ground where they're kind of I don't know about this to the end where it's all just falling apart. So the structure of the show so far has been like that. And the first episode was all about Fosse's side of it. So it was he's fresh off of Sweet Charity, the movie that tanked and lost 20th Century Fox, like $20 million or something. And then uh, he gets hired to do Cabaret uh, and then has an affair with a German translator. And then the second episode is from Gwen Verdon's perspective, and it's sort of her flashbacking. And it's all about how they met on Damn Yankees on Broadway and then sort of goes from there. So now I'm like seeing all of these reenactments of scenes that I love. Uh, so, so they're, are they, yeah, they're licensing the music from those shows and putting on yeah. like whatever rehearsal versions of productions of those or whatever. Yeah. You don't see as much for cabaret or sweet charity, but on the second episode when they're doing damn Yankees, I mean, they, they literally do like a version of whatever oh, Lola awful. wants. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. No, I mean it's, oh, it, but it actually, me. but it actually works out. So it's it's like Glee the biopic, uh, kind of, but but it's actually got some punch to it, and it's it's actually well done. I thought it would be sort of like, oh come on, whatever, but they don't. It doesn't feel shoehorned in as as you would say, Brian. It, it it's very diegetic, so it fits. Okay. Uh, but then to watch Michelle Williams doing a, a pretty spot on Gwen Verdon, it's pretty cool. And then there's like they do a whole thing about the song from Damn Yankees, Who's Got the Pain? Who's got the pain when you got the mumbo? Who got the pain when they go? Uh, and then the way they set it up is that Bob Fosse actually gets pushed into changing a number. So he, he gets this one and shoehorns it in because to him, he sees only the pain that's underneath. And he's like, but people are going to watch it and they're going to see all the fun, but they're not going to know how painful it is. And it's like, oh, you're dark, man. You're fucking dark. So... I highly recommend it. It's very well done. Uh, I guess it'll eventually be on streaming. Somehow we've managed to get damn Yankees references into two episodes of the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Who knew? Now. Who knew? For 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 those who don't know, for, well, okay, we of the thirty people who listen to the show, pretty much all of them probably do know this. <laughs> but the three of us were in a high school production of Damn Yankees, damn Yankees. in which Eric was Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Mo. Yeah, um, and I was, and Chris was Fat Joe from. From Schenectady. I never really got who you were. <laughs> I was the guy that made the Faustian bargain, so I'm only in it for like 10 minutes. Right. So Chris turns into Eric, <laughs> and an old yeah. fat Chris <laughs> which, turns into a virile young yeah, Eric. Which pretty much says it all right there. Uh, yeah. So it's, that sort of was my introduction to, to Bob Fosse. Uh, but I love Sweet Charity. So then I went back and watched all the clips. So I watched like Big Spender and uh, the the Poor Man's Frug and the opening to all that jazz and blah, blah, blah. So 
Big Fosse fan. Recommend it. Fosse Verdon FX. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. Fosse, Fosse, I think it's interesting. I saw a cabaret in New York with um, the Scotsman, whose name I can never remember. Uh, Ewan anyway. McGregor? No, but um, 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 Michelle Williams was in that. So yeah. I, I've ah. got to, to see her do Broadway. Okay. Then, yeah. She's actually pretty good. Very cool. Who'd have known back on uh, Dawson's Creek that uh, all that talent was lurking underneath? Yeah, not me. And not and, me. and and the uh, uh, former new Miss Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because she doesn't have talent, but you know, by gum we know her. Yeah, by gum, by Jove, by hook, okay. by crook. Yeah. All right. So so that's mm-hmm. that's my BS for the week. Thank you very much for listening. Next. Uh uh brian what you got all right um so i think we might be making podcast history here (gasps) because this may be the only podcast that brings up game of thrones season eight and then immediately drops and doesn't talk about it at all because i know you two don't care (laughs) yeah i don't give a shit at all but i i do know that uh people have been complaining that with that first season i guess it's like uh what Jon snow and dragon queen uh khaleesi Uh, have some sort of scenes together and everybody's complaining about when Game of Thrones turned into a rom-com. That's all I know about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, once they surpassed the book, it turned into fan fiction. <laughs> um, Always a good idea. it's still going on. Although George R. R. Martin says that the end of the show won't be significantly different than the end of the books, so... Whatever. I guess, you know, I got, whatever. I got news for Thank you. Thank God for that. Yeah, he doesn't know how the fuck it's gonna <laughs> end either, so yeah. <laughs> He's letting somebody else finish yeah, his book at this point. Um, so yeah, it's Game of Thrones. I'm watching it, and people don't want spoilers, and you guys don't want to talk about it. So yeah. what else? Um, finished the rest of season three of Santa Clarita Diet. Woo! Yeah. Um, does it, does it get week. any better? Does it get any better? It does. It, it gets much better okay. once they get rid of the the. Well, they don't really get rid of so much as they they like Eric says they evolve. Yeah, the storyline around her being, you know, God's chosen zombie. Yeah, I did finally um, catch the episode where they explain uh, Alan Tiddick taking over for Nathan Fillion as the head. That was uh, funny, right? Yeah, uh, I thought was it was so very, great. I thought it was very cleverly done the way it is. I mean, they didn't really dare in him so much as just, well, he's a fucking zombie and he's deteriorating, so we can pretty much do yeah. whatever we want. <laughs> but when they walk into the room, like, yeah, we got to give him the shot so that he, oh shit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do I have something on my face? Do I have something on my face? Yeah. <laughs> so. No, the. So the the breakout, I mean, other than Linda Lavin, good to see Linda Lavin yeah, back, right. by the way. Dun, 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 um, dun, dun. But um, no, the guy who was also in Better Off Ted, the 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 sort of nerdy guy, um, who has a much bigger role in season three of Santa Clarita Diet, uh, same showrunner, by the way. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember his name, but but he's a real breakout in this season as well. Uh, definitely. Uh, wasn't he definitely also fun. the other guy in the record store in, um, yeah, he uh, was, he was the, yeah, he was the meeker one in high fidelity that Jack Black, really? Jack Black steamrolled. Yeah. yeah. He's the one that, uh, Interesting. I think he put, nah, was he the one that put on stiff little fingers in the record store and then got everybody toe tapping? I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I just, I always remember, you know, um, well, no, I'm not going to, do things 
Brian has to pull quotes for. <laughs> Never mind. Well, the, the good senator from Arizona has the floor. <laughs> the thing is that Chris hasn't seen the rest of the season, so I don't want to do spoilers, right? Yeah. But um, I think uh, season three of Santa Clarita Diet, I think it redeemed itself. I was a little put out the first couple episodes, but it got it got much better. Um, the 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 word on the street is it's been quietly canceled. Oh, so as, it may also be the end yeah, of the series, as Netflix tends to do. Yeah, here's the thing, right? I actually think it's okay for the show to end where it does, even though the very last scene is a bit of a cliffhanger. I think that they've kind of resolved some character, like relationship arcs, in the show to a point where. If they did a fourth season, those relationships would be so different than they have been that it would almost be a different show. So I'm kind of okay if the show ends where it does. Yeah. And it's always like the good ones always tend to get just dismissed summarily with no fanfare. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's a great show. Sorry, it's not coming back. Well, part well, of the problem is that Netflix is broke. I mean, they are they are optioning everything and they don't have any more money. Yeah. Well, yeah, awesome. And I mean, go out on a high. Like the the last season of the the last two seasons really of Kimmy Schmidt, they should have ended that show earlier, you know. Yeah. So get out while you're while you're on top, folks. This is a lesson. Uh finally, I finally got around to watching Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Ooh, which everyone had been telling me to go watch cuz you know, former game developer. Yeah. I wonder which ending you um, got. Well, so have you watched Bandersnatch? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. Eric, have you watched it? I did try. So the deal with it is you kind of get all the endings. Um, it It's really trying to make a point about the illusion of choice. Yeah. Um, you're very much... Um, you're very much being led to a specific ending, and you're being led there by... Uh, Charlie Brooker, who is you know sadistic with his audience, um, and what's fun about it is along the way the characters become aware of what they are part of. They're totally getting that they're not in control of their lives and that they may just be characters in some you know Netflix show that somebody is making choices in. <laughs> um, nice. And there's this great speech by one of them about how Pac-Man is not at all a happy game, that it's actually a game about how everyone is controlled by the man and they're trapped in this inescapable <laughs> maze and there's like one tunnel out, but all that happens if you go through it is that you're just brought back into the maze. AC, program and control. He's program and control man. The whole thing's a metaphor. He thinks he's got free will, but really he's trapped in a maze, in a system. All he can do is consume. He's pursued by demons that are probably just in his own head. And even if he does manage to escape by slipping out one side of the maze, what happens? He comes right back in the other side. People think it's a happy game. It's not a happy game. It's a fucking nightmare world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, it it was fun. I, I get the joke. It's worth It's worth watching for an evening. Okay. And it's interactive, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, you, you really shouldn't worry about the consequences of your choices in Bandersnatch. You will be given an opportunity to make different choices, and you will be led where they want you to go. Yeah. Well, part of the problem with like, it was that I 
I read the Choose Your Own Adventure stories as a kid, but I was I never felt satisfied by them. You know what I mean? So that's that's sort of the vibe I get off of this. Yeah, no, the the show clearly wants you to make certain choices, and at one point when you make a choice towards the end, when you make a, a particularly nasty choice, the character's like, "Really?" <laughs> and <it> goes, <laughs> wow, wait a second, guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's my fresh it. Yay! Cool. Uh, my fresh it uh, are also two Netflix shows. Um, okay, Black Monday is the awesomest zombie thing you're ever going to goddamn see. It's everything you hate about The Walking Dead got removed. And so it's eight episodes of just what the fuck it's all about. It is the tightest <laughs> disaster show. They don't have any kvetching dialogue, uh, any relationship building that you don't buy. It's just, oh shit, run. It is, <laughs> it is really great. Are they fast zombies or shambling zombies? They're fast zombies. Okay. Uh, apparently, okay. this show is it's the same showrunner as uh, Z Nation, a show I never got into. Uh, and this is supposed to be the summer where everything went wrong leading up to that show. So I don't know that there's any connective tissue, but I don't remember Z Nation being anywhere as good as this. Um, is it a metaphor zombie show or is it just about, oh, fuck, the zombie apocalypse is upon us? Oh, it's always there's always a metaphor. You know, here it's everyone in the world is about as awful as you think they are, because that's the thing. The zombies are only half the problem. Usually the people yeah. are the problem. Um, you, you, you know how you can tell how bad everybody in the world is? Try to bring a week's it. worth of food to your office and leave it in the fridge. And yeah. see if you have a week's worth of food by the end of the week. <laughs> it never happens. Yeah. It never happens. Who are these fucking people? Why do they think that, oh, there's food in the fridge, therefore it's mine? Hey, fuck you. You didn't buy that food. You didn't prepare mm. it. You didn't bring it to the office. Why would you eat it? Yeah. The people who weren't raised right. Uh, They're everywhere. That's why I just start leaving rancid bologna in my containers, just as an FU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Build up a tolerance to iocane powder and put it in your food. Yeah. Oh, there's a good thought. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, uh, what's her name? James King, James, Jamie Pre James, Jamie Presley. The 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 model. She's in this, and she's like the only name. Otherwise, it's a lot of random people who can get smoked at any time, which is another nice thing. Okay. I like that in a zombie show where, you, you know, no one is safe. Um, yeah, they introduce one character and like within 20 minutes, she's dead. They, <laughs> they introduce her like, you should care about this person. And then, okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really great, especially if you like zombie fare and just, you know. I wish is I, there I, any I way to end a zombie <laughs> story where it isn't just by the, by the, I mean isn't the long tail of any zombie story that eventually everyone is a zombie like there's uh, no overcoming the zombie apocalypse <laughs> I'm gonna blow there, my there are I'm ones gonna, where they have I'm gonna make the original Night I'm, of the Living Dead they did I'm gonna about make Brian's head explode because now all I can think of is that Meet Pete Manifesto song I am a zombie I am a zombie. I am a zombie. <laughs> I am a zombie. <laughs> so, you are. Yeah. Okay. But then again, if you think about it, the 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 uh, 
what is it on on an infinite timeline everyone's survivability drops to zero we're all gonna die that's the thing i never understand about a zombie film it's like you're fucked anyway you know it's not like if you get past this you live forever you <laughs> so we're just screwed so if the real zombie apocalypse happens eric is just gonna swallow a shotgun game over man <laughs> The real zombie apocalypse happens, just <laughs> turn me into a zombie. My wife and I have had that discussion, and we've both realized we're fucked. We're <laughs> fucked in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, that's just, you know, when I watch a zombie flick, and they're walking around trying to survive, I'm just like, bless your heart. You're, you know, it just takes all the fun out of it. Seems to me that being a zombie is the preferable state in that at that point. Yeah. Like, I mean, why uh, not? Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, I guess the that's that it, it raises this whole question though of what is you? What are you? You know, I mean, like you, your personality is gone, but your body is still there. So, you know, is that is that okay? That's a, a fair question. Well, if I let's see, if I cease to exist, then I'm a lot less stressed out. So, well, then why not just take death? I mean, who cares about being a zombie? <laughs> I mean, I don't really know that it matters. Kill me or turn me into a zombie. Either way, I'm done. If I'm a zombie, I'm a lot less stressed out. It's plentiful supply of brains. Just go eat them. Right. I don't know. I'm good. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I, I guess if I'm going to take death, though, I'm going to take it, in the like Chris says, in the form of eating a shotgun rather than yeah. being eaten to death. Yeah. That, that one I can do without. Because Eric's other thing is he's not going to give those fuckers the satisfaction. Yeah. So mm, well, there's that. <laughs> so it's I, mostly a spite. A spite suicide would be what happens yeah, there. Yeah, I think in the zombie apocalypse version of my death, uh, seeing as how I'm fat and old, I'm going to be the one who tells the stars, "You guys go, I'll hold them off." And then you know, <laughs> s- sit there like like shooting heads and yeah. you know running out of bullets. And, yeah, that thing. And th- I will throw the gun at them. I'll tell you that now. I can't tell you that then because I'll be dead. But when it does happen, I'll throw the gun at him. Go, you damn dirty zombies. <laughs> yeah um oh the other uh. thing i'm in the middle of watching the oa season two of the oa um it's the kind of thing where you're into it or not that's all i could tell you what does the oa even stand for like this is such a poorly named show i have no interest in it based on the title in fact i have anti-interest it's like oh eh? eh? yeah the, what is it well that's um <laughs> See, once I tell you, you're not going to want to watch it at all. So, the original Angel. Okay. Yeah, it's like a horrible title. And I know why they called it the OA, because I wouldn't have watched the original Angel. So, it's uh, like Ice-T OA. Original Angel. OA. Angel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's science fiction and where they perform weird dance maneuvers and they can slide through dimensions and it's, it's, it's very weird, but the second season is, is pretty good. Um, as a second season guy, I didn't think they were going to make another one. It's been a few years since season one came out. And I guess they didn't want to do a second one until they had an idea. Maybe they were worried they were going to run out of vowels. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, 
was so stupid. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, uh, that's, that works. Because it's the thing. It's like such a weird show. I don't really know how to talk about it. So it's probably a bad, fresh shit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. That's so never I'm stopped us. <laughs> yeah, really. No. We can surmount any turd pile, Eric. Keep going. <laughs> so we've got, we've got angels, zombies, and Nazis this week. That's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Rockford, Fosse, Zombies, and Nazis. That's basically what we're all about today. And hair metal. So, hair metal, which is the... the, I think it's poorly defined as that that bad radio heavy metal music that was played in the late 80s, because it's exactly that. But you need to know where it comes from. Yes, Right? Like any disease. You need to know yes. the source. Well, it's, it's, yes. it's, like, it's like slasher movies, right? Like the originals have artistic merit and, um, you know, there's a reason they exist and that people love them and then all of the cheap knockoffs go on for fucking ever. Right. And so the origins of hair metal are, are kind of like Friday the 13th, the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird genre because it borrows heavily from like the punk and the glam from the 70s mm-hmm. but then tries to infuse it with some sort of metal swagger of the like the late 70s cusp of the 80s uh and well, it just is a weird amalgam and it doesn't quite pull either off and well here's the okay here's the background then on that on 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 our our metal so in the 70s you had it metal bands like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and they were very blues influenced, right? And that fades out around '77 when punk rock takes off, and that was a reaction to all, you know, to glam rock and heavy metal and all the excesses, right? So you have this very loud, hard, fast, young music, and at the same time, the new wave of British heavy metal takes off with kind of the same aesthetic. We're gonna do it with less blues, faster, and I guess more more punk, frankly. Like Motorhead comes out of that. Yeah. Um around the same time, Van Halen opened for Black Sabbath in Europe, and Black Sabbath couldn't compete. Van Halen was just blowing them off the stage every night. They were a metal band, but they weren't doing it like the old the old guard was and so they take off with Van Halen 1 in 1978 and they weren't you know, for them, they were putting on a party. And I think that's really where hair metal starts. It's not so much the glam or the costumes. It's we're all about getting pussy and getting fucked up. You know, yeah. Rock and eh. rolling all night and partying every day. Yeah. Right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And for me, for me, yeah, the, they were all trying to be like legitimate metal bands at first. You know, uh, when Judas Priest came to the United States, that's when the U.S. said, oh, this this stuff's pretty good. And it starts cropping up everywhere. 
look, yeah, the look was, the look um, came a lot from uh, like New York Dolls and Hanoi Rocks and other glam bands that were already dressing up, but it was mixed with this, like I said, very white heavy metal. Yeah. There was no blues influence at all. Well, um, yeah, so to me, hair metal is like the the absolute high point of of white male privilege in rock and roll like this is the mm-hmm. whitest malest yes. music you can come up with right and it's interesting to me in that it to me the history of hair metal is the history of metal going pop okay so like early hair metal and and you know this this show idea came from you guys watching the dirt but you listen to early Motley Crue, right? So, Eric, you mentioned uh, Looks That Kill. Right? And so, to me, that's like, that's like right. got an edge to it, right? Early Motley Crue's got this a little bit more dangerous edge to it um, in terms of just the chord progressions and, and the attitude. Right. Yeah. Where, when you get, we'll get to some of the later stuff where it's just. It's just pop music yeah. with with guitars. Well, it's it's right? it's a fair distinction too, because yeah, Motley Crue goes from something like "Shout at the Devil," uh, and then a couple years later, they're doing "Girls, Girls, Girls," and it's yeah. it's like night and day. And it, to me, it's and we it's sort of banging about Def Leppard when we were prepping as well. It's sort of the same thing to me. It's you've got the Pyromania album, which is pretty much just to me as a rock album, but then Hysteria comes out, and then it's really that's a glam album to me. Basically, if, if they've got a lot of songs that can be played in strip clubs for women to take their clothes off to, that's a glam album to me. So that's, a hair that's, metal. that's the irony, I think, of hair metal is that it starts in you know British heavy metal, which is going against the excesses of, that came before it, and it sort of evolves to have all of those excesses and. So, like, you you have this music that's really not bad. I mean, I like some of that stuff. Not all of it, but the the stuff from, like, 1983-ish. Yeah. Like, Motley Crue, Quiet Riot. There's some good songs. Um, yeah, Van Halen before Diver Down. And it, it, it's pretty good stuff. And then at some point, someone says, you know what, though? There's more money if we can make <laughs> it a little softer <laughs> true. and make it a little more for the girlfriends and yeah. you know here I go again and then you have that kind of shit it's it's more ballads i think yeah. we could do a whole show on you know bands that sell out with ballads frankly well that's a, um, a primary component cuz that's a uh, every school dance has one i mean it's just inescapable <laughs> uh yeah but it's funny you bring that up because have you ever seen the the documentary called Metal: A Headbanger's Journey? Um, no, no. It's uh, a guy who is he's basically a metalhead, but he's also an anthropologist. So he decided to do uh, a family tree of metal and start at its root beginnings, and then he does all of like the branch trees. So it goes here and goes here. But he's got a whole section on glam rock hair metal, and uh, they talk to i think it's d snyder at some point because they're talking about the whole pmrc thing that he went through and he basically explains he's like yeah uh it's basically just music 
done by guys that presumably is four guys. Cause if you look at it in the audience, it's like 90% dudes and they're watching <laughs> dudes on stage, either dress like women or just very androgynous, or they're just like really super tight pants and their bulges showing and stuff. He's like, so it's, if you look at it from that realm, it's just really confusing because it's supposed to be this strut rock, but it's basically guys on stage dressed like women strutting for guys. So it's like a cabaret kind of a deal. It's very weird when you hear someone like that put it into perspective. And uh, well, and and you know, same thing goes for Judas Priest bringing the leather look, right? Yeah. Like that was that was straight up being gay and bringing yeah. Rob, you know, Rob Halford actually said. Look. Rob Halford actually said he was looking for a new look and he went to a sex shop and he like found all the bondage gear he liked <laughs> That's awesome. and that he, w- he thought it was hilarious every night that none of these people could figure it yeah. out. Yeah. That's why if you, if you know that going into something like heavy metal parking lot, if you ever watch that, cause it's basically just a bunch of metal heads hanging out in the parking lot before a Judas Priest show. And they're all just going on about priest and rock, and but none of them have a fucking clue that he's, homosexual <laughs> and it just doesn't register it's like how could it not so it's just there's a disconnect it's funny i don't know me. i was a big judas priest fan in uh seventh grade and i didn't know and then when i found out i was like oh yeah huh <laughs> yeah right, well it doesn't make yeah, it makes sense perfect now, sense actually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> god uh well the thing that struck me with this as i was listening to a lot of the last weekish to kind of just as a primer and uh every song just to me sounds like poison that's just my default setting i don't know why that's integrated but then i agree but what band do you think it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting but uh but i was appalled because at one point talk dirty to me came on and i found myself able to sing along verse for verse with no prompting I'm like, how the fuck did this song burrow its way into my head and I'm able to do this? It's like, no, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. That is, okay, so from a from a compositional standpoint, this was one of my big takeaways. It's not just metal as pop, but it's also really refined arena rock. Like, all of the arrangements are super simple, yeah. big power chords, easy to play, there's no dissonance that's going to get fucked up in the reverb of a, of a stadium, and they're all designed to have the audience sing along. And you don't have to have ever heard the song. By the by, the second repeat of the chorus, you know damn well what parts the audience is supposed to sing. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's just beaten into your head. Well, I'll give you that, but at one point the song is playing, and I literally just unprompted did the bit where he goes, Cece, pick up that guitar and talk to me. There, that's just, yeah, yeah. that's, that's just a, brain cancer. And, and that's when I just, that's I had problem. to pause. And you should have that yeah. looked at. Yeah, well, I had to, uh, <laughs> well, I had to, st- 
I really should. But I had to stop and I'm like, how, how did this thing, why is this in there? It's like 90% of my brain is unused and that's in the, the very, very, very primary 10% that I need. It's just irritating. And the rest of it is like the Rockard files yeah. that got from outer space. Yeah, and yeah. Nazis. Yeah. So, fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, there's some good stuff in there, but I think some very seriously evil record producer shit happened. Some, some record executive shit happened that sort of made this music stale and yeah. well, expected. You know? have, have, and of course, the bands were not going to put up a fight. They're like, hey, more Coke, more broads. You know? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's that's pretty much and it's all on stage when they're playing their videos, etc. I mean it's just it's appalling that it fits that very definitive right. trapping of the genre and there's no it's, deviation from that. It's weird. It's funny, if you if you go to a Korean restaurant nowadays, one of the ones that has all the K pop videos playing on the TVs, like I watch those videos and I'm like, it's like there's a warehouse where the whole floor is a conveyor belt and they're just bringing these K-pop bands in and shooting the same video and then getting them out and getting the next one. And I think there's a, you know, there's an argument that the same thing was happening yeah. with, with hair metal videos do, in the do, 80s. They're do, all do, the do, same. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's a factory. Well, have you seen Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years? I thought about watching it for this, but I didn't bother. It's it's Long very ago. it's very fun. Uh, it's not as fun as the the first one that Penelope Spheres did for punk, uh, but this one it was filmed in like eighty seven ish. So Poison was already kind of a big deal. So they were one of the big bands that they interviewed, uh, and and like they interviewed Aerosmith and uh, Alice Cooper and and Lemmy from Motorhead. And then they had a bunch of up-and-coming bands, and the only one that had any sort of staying power, from what I could tell, was Faster Pussycat, who was one of sort of like the mid-tier hair metal bands of the era. But then you see all of these guys in these metal bands, and they've got the look, and they've got the sound, and the whole thing, and they're talking about how they're going to make all this money and be famous and shit. And I'm watching it, and I'm laughing, because at the time the movie came out, it was like 88, and I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, dude, in three years, grunge is going to fucking bury you and i just started yeah. laughing because it's there that's just that very sliver of a genre that they're hoping to make their fame and fortune with and it's like you are not going to survive i can just tell already <laughs> so eric you had us make some lists for this show do we want to get into that yeah yeah um yeah i had a, a larger idea of doing a bracket and then i heard on the Stern show, they were doing something with brackets. And I was like, oh, this is awful audio. Nobody yeah. wants to hear this. Nobody so. cares because you can't see it. I do like that Eric asked us to make a list. And then Eric is the only one that didn't actually share yeah. a list with us. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, who knew really that first set of songs wasn't Eric's list? Because there was a yeah. bunch of stuff that screamed Eric to me. I put I put some in here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I got Eric's list. You're just not paying attention, Chris. Maybe I got the wrong list. I don't know. I think the problem is I have top 10 80s metal songs and I only put four. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> That's which is fine. I don't think yeah. 10 would... Yeah, trying to pick 30 unique songs was going to be a long-ass show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I put ones I actually like on the list, but I actually want to call out one song here 
Because I, having having listened to all these songs that we put on our list, I think that there is an ideal example of a hair metal song, and I was shocked to realize that the ideal hair metal song is Cherry Pie by Warren. <laughs> it yeah. totally is. It totally is. Yeah. Uh, and the, <laughs> I was talking to my wife about that uh, because she used to work at a club back in the day in Houston called the Axiom, and they booked, you know, whatever, metal acts, punk acts, what have you. But she was working there when Warrant was just sort of hitting their crescendo uh, when Cherry Pie came out, but they were still touring all these, like, shitty small clubs, and she said their bus pulled up and Janie Lane got out and said, fuck this, I am not playing here, and got on the bus and they left. She's like, fuck that guy. Because he had a wardrobe and the whole thing. It's like, you're playing a club for 300 people, maybe, and you got a wardrobe change? Holy shit. So, yeah. So, but, I mean, at, even at the time when it came out, I think Cherry Pie was just seen as kind of a eye-rolling joke, but goddamn, it's everything you want in a hair metal song. It's, you know, it's blatant innuendo. Yeah. It's catchy as shit. Everybody knows how to sing along with it. Yeah. It even has a brilliant key change at one point. Uh, this is arena pop rock perfection. I, it's yeah. terrible. I love it. But also, if you if you put any scrutiny on the lyrics, it's also super fucking creepy. It's like, why... Why? It's like uh, when oh, Winger... It's swinging my dick, swinging my dick. That's the whole chorus. And <laughs> yeah. then, well, just, I want to fuck her. I yeah. want to fuck her is the chorus. I mean, that's that's it. But just the idea behind like uh, Winger doing 17 and people getting crazy about it. It's like, dude, this is a song about a really creepy old dude who just, you know, stalks the parks and looks for underage girls to bang. I mean, it's just... Yeah. And it's like a catchy tune, so you find yourself singing along and not thinking about it. But then at some point, you're like, oh, wait, what the hell am I singing? Ugh. I mean, that, well, is that it, sums it is up. Is it any better, though, if it's Oingo Boingo saying, I love little girls? No, I it's mean, no better. It's that's, no that's better. That's at least right out front. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's no disguising it. Maybe that's what makes it better. Yeah. And then you get yeah. Motley Crue Did singing. Did you buy a ticket? Blow the bouncer and come back. <laughs> Stay and fuck me. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you get like Motley Crue doing Girls, 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 which is basically just a list of strip clubs that they visited on tour. I mean, it's just, yeah. they're, they're shameless about it. So to them, yeah, that's all it is. It's just, we're doing this so we can get laid. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Motley Crue, I think, is at least funny in their shamelessness. You know, yeah. they we really don't care. We are absolutely about nothing. Hey, Tommy, <laughs> what's that? You know, CC or whoever the fuck. Go look over. <laughs> look at that one over there. Oh wow, she's naked. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so Crue is is interesting in that evolution we talked about. Yeah, you know, shout at the devil, and then looks that kill, and then yeah, girls, girls, girls. 
or their cover of Smoking in the Boys' Room by Brownsville Station, yeah. right? Like, they just get cheesier and cheesier as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if that's just because of the the, the springboard for glam hair metal in the early 80s. Uh, it, if you read the stuff online, it all sort of points back to, like, Quiet Riot when their Metal Health album came out. Because that was the first one that charted number one as a metal album, thanks to MTV. Uh, yeah. And so, Come On, Feel the Noise, which is their cover of, of Slade's glam song from, like, 73 or whatever. So it's they're repurposing the early glam stuff, but just making it that much slicker. And then that one shoots to number one, and suddenly everybody's like, "Yeah, sign me more of that." And then the Sunset Strip stuff explodes, and then we get that whole progression of bands through the '80s. I mean, that's, that's an interesting note, by the way, that I, I found in researching this about the Sunset Strip. I don't know if you knew this, but they were an unincorporated section of Los Angeles, so there was no police monitoring. There were no cops. Uh, it was that. the ah. Wild West okay. until about like, you know, the mid late 80s. And so when you talk about going to see a show at the Whiskey A Go Go, it was, you know, it was fun danger. Yeah. yeah. You're on your own, Jack. And that's one <laughs> well, of those sort of an element of danger to all of this stuff. Okay. Well, and there's also a sense of, I think, laziness on the part of record companies and A&R, right? They found something marketable, but they were also like, hey, I work at Capitol Records. Um, I figure if people want to make it in the record business, they'll come to me. They'll come to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll find them, you know, down in Hollyweird or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it yeah. did pretty much turn into the epicenter of the the late 80s at least for the And that's also the why metal. it ended why there was no more talent to pull from because then they made it a nicer place yeah you know it's just yeah it's interesting but yeah that the early 80s that's I cut my teeth on MTV with stuff like rat did round and round and that just oh, got yeah. that got so much goddamn airplay It's just stuck in my head. And then Twisted Sister finally broke uh, then with, we, like, we're not going to take it. I mean, it's just, and the, they're all very much packaged around these videos. And I think that's the weird thing. And some almost like Duran Duran. Like, Duran Duran would not have happened without the glitzy video. And that's kind of how I see this whole movement. It's like, if you didn't have these videos to advertise the songs, then I don't think it would have exploded quite the way it did. Yeah, I think Rat is like, they're not just a one-hit wonder. They're sort of the the epitome of one-hit wondership. Yeah. Because that song, it's not just the only song they would ever have. It was the only song they deserved. <laughs> it's like you, you hear <laughs> but it. But it's such a go, good song. Yeah. That's it's what I mean. Very, it very hooky. It's a good song. So good, no one could do a second song. You know? Okay. Now, yeah. in, f- in fairness, I'm at my, like, you know... You know, just hitting puberty hormonal level, and the chick in that video is just smoking now? hot. So no, when the <laughs> mo- fucking yeah, dickhead. No, I have no testosterone left in me. I don't care about anything for the rest of time. But at that moment, I'm like, 
oh hot chick yeah listen to song i don't know if the song is good or if it's just burned into my memory because of that association well, but carrie, i don't care well fast forward that a couple of years and think uh when white snake hit with here i go again uh so we were about like 15 16 by then i guess uh, but the whole video is basically just a half-dressed Tawny Katane rolling around on like a Corvette or something. Yeah. Uh, so you've just disproven my hypothesis because I hate that fucking song. <laughs> well, you were, I said we were older, so you understood. Okay. Uh, you, you had moved on by then. But yeah, 13 years old, I mean, they'd be like, oh, I want more of that. Yes, please. Thank but you. I, I guess. But then why didn't uh, Bananarama take off in, 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 in the same way? Because I I mean, my, my high school high school junior high crush was um the dark haired one from the venus video <laughs> well they were still they were hot chicks but oh yeah. wait no because they didn't show cleavage they weren't yeah. like maybe it's this yeah. thing about metal where women had to be objects you know yeah. it's not i don't care if they're objects or not it was no 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 they must be objects. Well, the, I mean, the theme of every, you know, every female character arc in a metal vid- video is as soon as they hear the music, they lose all control and they tear their clothes off and start crawling around in fucking poses, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Even, like, hmm. teachers. Like, a lot of them are sitting in classrooms Especially where the teachers, teachers. Are, yeah, where the, like, MILF thing going on. It's like, come on, yeah. man. It's just, it's just uber male fantasy bullshit. I mean, it's just. I think, yeah, but the hot for teacher thing is particularly funny because it's not we want to fuck our teachers it's we hate our teachers and we know this will piss them off (laughs) (laughs) okay no and we have power over them and through the power of metals we will make them into our sex lives i mean yes (laughs) yeah yes well Uh, i brought yeah i i think hair metal went in one of two directions either the drunk party or the chick friendly ballad oh good lord yeah you know that's that's why you have here I go again, and you know why you have the collected works of Def Leppard post nineteen eighty eight. Good yeah, very fucking Mutt Lang man. Uh, See, like, Mutt Lang. He, okay, I got to take you out on this. Mutt Lang produced Pyromania. Yeah, and sonically, Pyromania and Hi- and um, Hysteria are really the same album. I mean. Hysteria is just Pyromania Part 2, more of Pyromania. I think it's because uh, I look at it that way that Hysteria is a full-on glam metal hair album because it actually has multiple songs related to stripping and party time and this and that, whereas Pyromania just feels more like a rock album to me. I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, maybe. Maybe it has to do more with the fashion that the band was putting on or, or how they were being marketed, right? They were, like, Pyromania was marketed more like a Scorpions album. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, in, exactly. And Hysteria was marketed more as like a Poison album. I, yeah. Maybe that's it. I, yeah. But musically, it's the same band very much doing the same thing with Mutt Lang. Well, and that gets that's, to the heart of it that, that we were just talking about. It's it's 
not so much the music, it's just the overall packaging and merchandising of the said you music. said package mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i mean if you to put def leopard here's an interesting thought experiment you take def leopard you take that music it never happened but you delay it like you know six seven years and you put them in some 23 year olds from seattle and you wrap them in flannel can anyone tell the difference because <laughs> now well, you've changed the marketing well i think the yeah, uh, the time signature is probably slower that's a that's a production thing. I mean, Def Leppard, all of these bands have like the big backing harmony sound and Def Leppard and Mutt Lang completely master that. It is so high 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 polished production. Yeah. That that one of the things about Def Leppard that is underestimated is that everybody in that band is singing and they do that shit live yeah and and they're singing like a motherfucker they've got this big big sound well it's just yeah. that that's that's not what grunge was about grunge was very much about not doing that not, yeah yeah not grunge i guess i'm thinking jesus jones i'm thinking Ooh, okay well yeah but that's the thing is that that hair metal is very glossy uh and it's designed that way and so it's yeah. it's it's sort of I think it's almost let's see how offensive we can be, but we're gonna wrap it up in a big bonbon and make everybody enjoy it. I yeah. mean, it's because yeah, I'm sorry. The only point I w- I guess I was making was that Def Leppard was you know a rock band I think that boys and girls liked, but I don't know that they necessarily are hair metal. No, I don't I don't consider them hair metal, but that Hysteria mm. album just sort of to me teeters. And I think but, it's so just because of the the that, song. That's matter. interesting to me because I think one of the reasons I I was so put out by it at the time was it was really a culture, right? It's not so much a musical genre as it was um, an identity, yeah. and and so to me that music equated to. The guys that used to beat me up, let's face it, you know, beer swilling, <laughs> date raping, jock assholes, fuck those guys. And so when, uh, in 1989, when Guns N' Roses comes out, and I'm like, oh, it's more hair metal. And all those guys were like offended. They're like, no, man, Guns N' Roses is, is raw and authentic and they're more, no, no, it's a bunch of fucking dudes with long curly hair playing the whiskey. It sounds just like hair metal. It's fucking hair metal. It's good hair metal, but it's hair metal. Well, I think though, with, but metal. with Guns N' Roses, you get like the reintroduction of the, the blues progressions and things like that. And they're still kind of wearing the clothes and stuff. But there's sort of that weird transitional. It's like, okay, we can see grunge coming in hindsight 2020, and they're kind of it's the like metal. they're kind of the weird middle band that's sort of okay, we we're, we're glam, but we're also not. We're rock, blah blah blah. Okay, I mean it's, it's unwashed hair metal, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> long unwashed hair yeah. metal. Yeah. Uh, well, I I'll mean, tell you, that's the, that's that's kind of the escape door for metal is that period where bands became Metallica. You know, where they, yeah. they embraced the music above the style. Guns N' Roses wasn't quite there yet. They were still doing the style. Yeah. Well, for my money, it's just funny that one of the trappings is guys wearing makeup. And for my money, Cinderella is the prettiest bunch of girls on the hair metal scene, (laughs) bar none. I'm going to just flat out tell you, because I remember our our friends in high school, uh, 
Brandy and Chris, they had like she had a poster of Cinderella on the wall, and their dad for like months thought it was an actual group of women that did rock music <laughs> based on that poster, <laughs> and that always <laughs> made me yeah, laugh. Their dad is like a, a welder, like this guy yeah. is no no shit, right? Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. when I when I heard that, I just I think I laughed for a good twenty minutes because it was just, <laughs> <laughs> and that sums it up pretty much for me. Uh, so Chris, you you put a bunch of power ballads on the list, and the lead off there is Cinderella's "Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone." Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, what is up with that guy's voice? Like, I think that when the lead (laughs) singer of Cinderella just speaks normally, he's got to just sound like like Gollum or something because like he can't sing the soft part without just gargling Drano. When I hear it, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this must be what it would sound like if ACDC did a power ballad. That's exactly what it feels like to me. Because it's like that Brian Johnson gravelly, scratchy yeah. growl, but it's done over that really low mid-tempo, just acoustic bullshit number. I mean, it's just it's Oh, yeah, so well, no, you've got the digital piano being played way too hard, like yeah. hammering forte notes for a soft <laughs> yeah. song. Yeah. And then you've got the acoustic guitar. So, it, yeah, it's all right. All couples hit the dance floor. Gentlemen, grab your butts. Yeah. It's a slow dance But it's it's pretty interchangeable with stuff like "Every Rose Has Its Thorn" by Poison. Uh, I mean, it's fuck just that song. Like fuck you could, that song. Like you could splice so every single every single one of the the ballads. You could probably splice together, and it would just come across as just one long, giant, never-ending ballad. Yeah, and those are all like later in the career, all those ballady songs. Nobody like starts out with those. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's like third, fourth album. I think that's that's usually the musician going, you know, uh, a life of pussy is and just pussy is a little unfulfilling i guess i need love i think here's the realistic approach it's like we're no longer 22 and we're doing these lengthy tours we need a fucking break on stage so let's slow it down a little bit for all you girls out there in the back but but all of those songs are basically riffs on beth right like journeys faithfully is like yeah, I'm on the road, but I swear, honey, I'm not fucking too many other chicks. <laughs> yeah. Or um, one a dead or alive is basically being on tour is exhausting, and home sweet home oh, is also it. that. I mean, <laughs> that like, was that one. All these songs are just whining most. about being on tour. 
Yeah, yeah, the Bon Jovi video of them, like, of the, the trauma of the Learjet and the four-star hotel. As they're, like, coming on stage going, oh, oh, dude, what a life, what a road I have yeah. chosen. Yeah, it's not like you're, you know, curing cancer or anything, shithead. You're, you're in a rock band and you... Oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think somebody needs just needs to make a song like that called Hangover. You know? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I I my particular uh, distaste for Bon Jovi though. It, I was so happy after the whole grunge unplugged thing happened, and then Bon Jovi turns up on MTV with short hair going, oh no, we always wanted to do our music like this. We always wanted to pare it down. And, you know, like he tried to <laughs> basically be Bon Jovi grunge so he no. could have a career. It's like, yeah, suck it up, motherfucker. Well, You're and then that fall. Yeah. And then that failed. And he tried to start an acting career that fizzled. Yeah. That failed. I mean, it's like, come on, dude, just own it. Fucking own it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just and stupid. now he's the most rockinest owner of a series of Wendy's in Lodi, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I think he's also got a stake in some sort of winery thing in New Jersey as well. It's like, yeah, I'm going to drink wine from New Jersey. Thanks, Bon Jovi. <laughs> There's, there has got to be some like one percenter tax bracket scheme about restauranteering yeah. when you're like too old to do the thing that made your money like all these athletes who have restaurants and rock stars that have restaurants it's like i want to meet like this the fat bald gray-haired dude behind all that shit who's making the real money on that yeah really because you yeah. know it he exists uh that's dumb <laughs> that's all I can so, say about that. we're getting to about the 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 end of the show are there final thoughts people want to do uh, yeah, I'm glad this music's gone. Yeah, I, I, I guess it, this is less. Um, for, for once, this show is less of about, I guess, reminiscing than it is dissecting <laughs> what went wrong in a movement. <laughs> we come not to praise hair metal, but to bury it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just yeah. I got really nothing because I listened to it begrudgingly. I think in retrospect. And there are, like you guys say, there are certain songs that that play well and they're fun, but I would not listen to them uh, willingly all the time because I would just lose my shit. I would lose yeah. my shit. You, you uh, tear off your shirt and shake your tits at them and, <laughs> and go pull down your hair. Yeah. And, no, yeah. I just, it Here made me want to go again. It, it made me want to wrap a cucumber in foil and stuff it down my pants uh, so I can yeah, go to airport security. That's a spinal chat, tap joke that failed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, my, my final thought, and even this is a dated reference at this point, but I, th- I love the, the band that's, it's a, it's a comedy act, but they're also taking it kind of seriously. Um, Steel Panther is what all of these bands were pretending to be. These guys have taken hair metal to its logical extreme and yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just give you a taste of death to all butt metal
<laughs> all yeah, butt that's metal. True. <laughs> all butt metal. Death to all butt metal. No, no, it's death to all but metal. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but these guys, like, they literally have videos where they're snorting cocaine off of naked women's tits, and and the songs are like, you know, fuck it, we're partying. Um, <laughs> so it's basically... Motley uh, Crue could only dream. Yeah, it's every video that the bands in the heyday wish they could have done, basically. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's sort of <laughs> the version of the darkness, only yeah. they really are choking. That's true, yep. that's true. It's, it's tribute, but also... Uh, fuck you, is, is what yeah. I, f- I feel like when I saw that. Uh, I, I think we can end on that tribute, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Magnificently Huge podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening to this right now, you must have, because this is at the end, so you listen to the whole thing. You can't say you didn't like it. That's like eating your entire meal and then complaining to the manager that it wasn't cooked right. So if you're listening to this now, please share it with some people you know. I mean, we're not making any money off of this. We're not running any ads. We just want to get the word out and get some discussion going and have some fun. We're at MagHuge on Twitter. Magnificently Huge Podcast on Facebook. At any rate, I'm Eric. That was Brian and Chris. And we look forward to talking to you again next week.